Wake up, everyone. It's time for the Steve Noble Show, where biblical Christianity meets the everyday issues of life in your home, at work, and even in politics. Steve is an ordinary man who believes in an extraordinary God. And on his show, there's plenty of grace and lots of truth, but no sacred cows. Call Steve now at 866-34-TRUTH. That's 866-34-TRUTH. Or check him out online at thestevenobleshow.com. And now, here's your host, Steve Noble. What would you do? What would you do with $20 million? What would you do? What would you do with $20 million? $20 million bucks. What would you do with that kind of cashola, that kind of cha-ching, that kind of bling? $20 million bucks. I don't know. Why, why don't you ask the Hunter family, the Hunter Biden family, for a little advice on that? Because uh, that story just came out earlier today. Biden business brought in 20 million and counting. So there's that out there. It's it's a little it's a little bit short of the what is it? The Powerball? Is that the deal? The guy just a single ticket holder in Florida uh, hit the Powerball last night. I think it's like one point five billion dollars which is about 10% of what the federal government spends in a day. But that's still serious money, right? $1.5 billion. Of course, after taxes, it'll only be, you know, 750, 800 million. I, I suppose you could make that last for the rest of your life, but wouldn't that be an interesting deal to have to manage? So uh, back to the Bidens, which I'll get to. A Biden business brought in $20 million in counting. I mean, is the... Is the noose getting tighter? Is the net constricting? Is this actually going to go anywhere? Or is this like all the times we've seen in the past where the your political enemies and enemies of the state, I would say in, in this particular case, uh, you know, it's, it's, like a, it's like a good movie. It's like a good Netflix series or something. Just when you thought you had them, they escaped, yada, yada, yada. We'll see. Uh, but we'll get to that story because that uh, that's the, some more information that just came out earlier today. Uh, for those of you, I, I did have several of you email me yesterday. If you're in the Greensboro area, just trying to just trying to help you out here, just trying to throw you a, a, a an edifying, enjoyable, entertaining bone. Ordinary Angels, the next movie coming out by my friends John and Andy Irwin at Kingdom Story Company. The, their last movie was Jesus Revolution, which is awesome and very successful. Ordinary Angels, another true story. Hilary Swank uh, is the lead role and a really great, powerful story. It's kind of a tearjerker. And they're doing a, uh, a private showing of this on Monday, this coming Monday, August 14th, in the Greensboro area. At 6.30 p.m., so there's still some seats left for that. So if you live in or around Greensboro and you'd like to attend that, it'd be a good date night. Trust me, my wife and I watched this movie a while back, and I've got some uh, showings coming up in Raleigh. Uh, but these are like closed things. They, they don't just go out there and throw them out there for anybody. Uh, but you're, you're not anybody. Uh, you're, you're, you're somebody. So if you'd like to uh, have access to that this Monday, 6.30 p.m. in Greensboro, I would send you a link so you can go claim a couple of tickets for yourself, uh, just send me an email, steve at thestevenobleshow.com, and I will hook you up, steve at thestevenobleshow.com. Just say, hey, Steve, I'd like to go see Ordinary Angels, and I'll send you the link, and then hopefully you can go do that. I know you'll enjoy it. It's a great movie. And we'll be talking about that a lot more as we uh, push towards October. It's not releasing nationwide until October, so you will be the early bird getting the worm. Uh, but again, if you're in the Greensboro area this coming Monday, 
uh, is your opportunity. Just send me an email, Steve at thestevenobleshow.com. At the end of the show, I had a great uh, meeting, uh, almost an hour and a half before I came over to the studio today with one of my former students getting ready to go off to college. And just wanted to share some uh, some general things. I've had a lot of these conversations over the years, which I praise the Lord for. And just uh, I just want to give you a word of encouragement and a, and a challenge uh, for the younger people in your life, a son, daughter, grandson, granddaughter, friend of your family, whatever the case may be, that these are really valuable conversations. And, the, and a lot of people tend to ask uh, pretty similar questions and the big questions about uh, believing in God, believing in the Bible, Christianity versus other religions, stuff like that. And, and, and there's a lot of young people uh, having those thoughts, but oftentimes we're not available to engage in those conversations. Or you think you're not capable of engaging in those conversations. And I'm gonna push back on that as well. So I'm gonna save that though for the end of the show and, and talk about that. But in the meantime, let's talk about some of these other stories. I'm just monitoring stuff as we are walking our way through life here in America. Of course, tomorrow, tomorrow will be Theology Thursday, so we'll be away from the news of the day, which is fine with me. Hopefully that's fine with you. Uh, this story out of Texas, just following up on some of my angst from yesterday talking about the, the state of education in this country. And here's an example, as we have this problem in right here where I live in Wake County, in the Raleigh area, of uh, not taking advantage of political opportunities, and that, you, that comes with a price. I shared that story yesterday, Wake County School Board, and, and two people on the school board are, are uh, like-minded, right-minded people, and had them on yesterday, uh, or had them on before when they were running for office. But it's seven to two. So that's what happens. So this is what a, a weak school board looks like when we don't get involved. And in this case, it's it's out of Texas. You're like, come on, really, Texas? Yes. It doesn't take much to rattle people's cages. A Texas school board planned a prayer marathon uh oh, in the lead up to the new school year. It's a great idea. The prospect that educators, parents, and students would voluntarily appeal to an unspecified higher power for safety and wisdom ahead of the fall semester proved too much to bear for one activist group from out of state, the Wisconsin-based Freedom From Religion Foundation, they need a hobby, appears to have successfully pressured the Burnett Consolidated Independent School District into canceling the event and agreeing to refrain from proposing something again online in the future. So what an atrocious idea that the school district there, the Burnett Consolidated Independent School District, would say, hey, voluntarily, hey, we're going to have a... a, a a season of prayer here before the school year starts. And if you'd like to join us, we're going to pray by school and have some subjects here. And if not, whatever, that's fine. Uh, boy, what a what a disgusting thing to have happen in a public school system. Unlike, you know, gender ideology and things of that nature. But if you're going to pray, whoa, that's a big problem. Extra, uh, extra to promoting the separation of church and state, championing the legality of eugenicist practices. This is the... Freedom from Religion Foundation and advocating for LGBT dogma to be peddled on schools, the group has taken an evangelical role, quote, to educate the public on matters relating to non-theism. The group appears particularly hostile to public prayer, having characterized it as, this is what they think of public prayer, unnecessary, ineffective, embarrassing, exclusionary, divisive, or just plain silly. <laughs> You're entitled to your opinion, Freedom from Religion Foundation. But you have no power, you have no sway, you should have no authority when it comes to some school district in Texas. I'm going to keep talking about this. It's a perfect example of every once in a while when you encounter a bully, you should just punch him in the nose. This is Steve Noble. We'll be right back.
Hey, it's... I've been waiting on a war since I was young Since I was a little boy with a toy gun Yeah, so many of us played like we were tough back then, right? Little kids, toy guns. Never really wanted to But when the fight comes to you... Do you, are you willing to go to the mat? Are you willing to have the fight? Apparently, not apparently, this is the deal. Down in Texas, the Burnett Consolidated Independent School District, uh, not ready for the fight. And this isn't even much of a fight. It's so ridiculous. So they were they put up on social media, hey, we're going to have a concentrated prayer here before the school se season starts and uh, pray by, by school specifically, whatever. Okay, that's fine. You don't check your First Amendment rights at the door just because you work for the state or public school system. Uh, no, you, you, you retain your First Amendment rights. There are a few limits here and there, but not on this one. This is ridiculous. So the Freedom From Religion Foundation, who's got nothing better to do than to hate God and hate others uh, that love God, they decide to go after them. And so they sent them a letter threatening, you know, you guys are doing a terrible thing here. And, uh, and, and their, gr their group, the Freedom From Religion Foundation, this is their view of prayer, public prayer. They've characterized it as, quote, unnecessary, ineffective, embarrassing, exclusionary, divisive, or just plain silly, unquote. Uh, it would be interesting to follow up with all the people at the Freedom From Religion Foundation uh, when they uh, get into trouble or have health needs or, or experience tragedy, if any of them would take prayer. Be an interesting experiment. On July 25th, the Burnett uh, School Board shared a now-deleted post on Facebook that read, Join us beginning tomorrow as we pray for the first day. Or, or to the first day. Yeah, what a terrible idea. The post assigned different schools and groups within the district from custodial staff to parents and guardians. A different day to voluntarily pray starting July 26th and running until August 16th. What a great idea. Samantha Lawrence, a legal fellow at the Freedom From Religion Foundation, apparently caught wind of the marathon and penned a letter to Superintendent Keith McBurnett, who's not ready for the fight, on July 27th, claiming a concerned complainant had flagged the event. Uh, some whiner there in the school district <laughs> who's got a skin as thick as this paper, apparently. Lawrence suggested that the optional prayer event, which did not appear to specify a style or method of prayer, corresponding creed or an object of the transcendent appeals, displayed, quote, clear favoritism towards religion over non-religion by promoting and encouraging prayer. Uh, <laughs> whatever. Show me constitutionally how that's a problem. Hey, we're going to suggest uh, if you want to join us voluntary that's a big deal voluntarily but there's some of us here in the school district that believe in prayer and we have a right to that and to exercise our religious beliefs here in the good old us of a freedom from religion foundation which you don't understand the constitution you just have a b in your bonnet because you hate god quote the district serves a diverse community that consists of not only religious students families and employees but also also atheists agnostics and those who are simply religiously unaffiliated wrote lawrence the freedom from religion person by promoting prayer the district sends an official message that excludes all non-religious district students and community members right because everybody's got to get a a performance uh, award we don't want anybody to be left out somebody's always left out <laughs> in this case uh christians the Freedom From Religion activists demanded that the Burnett uh, school system cease promoting prayer and refrain from doing so in the future, as well as remove the post from its Facebook account. Hermit Meta of the Friendly Atheist Newsletter highlighted how this was neither a lawsuit nor a threat. Nevertheless, the school complied because they weren't ready for a fight. A bunch of wimps. In an August 3rd statement, the FR Freedom From Religion Foundation noted that McBurnett 
had written back, quote, the Facebook post has been removed and the district will refrain from posting anything similar in the future. Please don't hate us. <laughs> I added that last part. Annie Gaylor, the co-president of the Freedom from Religious Foundation, celebrated the capitulation, writing, quote, we're glad that school officials are taking action to uphold constitutional neutrality. Uh, wrong. You don't understand the Constitution. You don't have any rights school board out there in Texas unless you actually know them. They don't know them. A school district does not need to pray for their students and staff. It needs to focus instead on providing a secular education free from religious indoctrination, added Gaylor. Right, because that's worked so well for this country. Annie, you're so wrong. Supreme Court Justice Neil Gorsuch appears to be on of a different mind. In a June 2022 decision last year, where the Supreme Court ruled a high school football coach had a constitutional right to pray at the 50-yard line after his team's games, Gorsuch wrote, quote, Respect for religious expressions is indispensable to life in a free and diverse republic. Whether those expressions take place in a sanctuary or on a field, and whether they manifest through the spoken word or a bowed head. Right. That's because Neil Gorsuch understands the Constitution. The Texas school board, and dare, dare I say most school boards around the country, probably don't, especially if they're uber-liberal and anti-Christian anyway. But if you're a Christian and you have this situation come up, uh, the law is on your side, the Constitution is on your side, just fight. I did that with the Raleigh uh, City Council a couple times, putting up a rather large, some would say obnoxious Christian uh, a manger scene with scripture down on city property in downtown Raleigh. And I walked in there in the city council meeting. This was years ago, 2005, 2006, with like 40 pages of legal memoranda I got from my buddy, who's now Congressman Mike Johnson from Louisiana, but he was one of the top lawyers at Alliance Defending Freedom. And I said, just give me the firepower I need to go in there and basically tell the city, there's no way you can deny us this. And if you do, we'll sue you and we'll win. And so I gave every member of the, of the city council, including mayor, the mayor Meeker, mayor Meeker at the time here in Raleigh, 40 pages of legal memoranda I had accept, I'd accept for every one of them. I said, we, this complies with all the constitutional requirements. It passes the lemon test. It passes this. It passes. You cannot deny us constitutionally. And if you do, we will sue you and we will win. And so both instances, Mayor Meeker at the time said, hey, thanks, Steve, for bringing this information. I think we can vote on this right now. Let's all vote. And both times, uh, unanimous. Not a conservative uh, city council, by the way. But I knew the law, showed them the law, and then they chose to comply with the law. But you got to know it. And these, God help you, these ignorant bozos down in Texas didn't know the law. So they probably assumed we're doing something wrong, and they're not. The First Amendment is on your side, my Christian brother and sister. Okay. Biden business brought in $20 million in counting. The Biden family raked in upwards of $20 million from foreign business partners during the Obama administration, according to new records out, well, today. According to financial documents released by the House Oversight Committee, President Joe Biden's son, Hunter, ran the family influence peddling scheme by funneling money across a series of shell companies to conceal, quote, the source and size of the payments. The records released Wednesday today revealed large payments from oligarchs in Russia, Ukraine, and Kazakhstan. No problems there especially when your dad, the big guy, is a sitting vice president. Quote, it appears no real services were provided other than access to the Biden network, including Joe Biden himself, said House Oversight Chairman James Comer. It's clear Joe Biden knew about his son's business dealings. 
and allowed himself to be the brand sold to enrich the Biden family while he was vice president of the United States. That's becoming pretty obvious, isn't it? Last week, former Biden business partner Devin Archer detailed the family influence peddling operation. Remember that? He was talking about the brand, the Bidens, the brand. The records released on Wednesday show Archer and Hunter Biden were hired on Burisma's board in 2014 and each received at least a million dollars a year. For what? The payout was far above comparable board compensation, particularly for Hunter Biden, who held no prior experience in the industry. Hunter's father, however, served as the Obama administration's point man on Ukraine. Hmm, some things that make you go, hmm. It's just ridiculous. Will it go anywhere? Let's pray for truth and justice, shall we? A little bit more from that. Uh, It appears that people, uh, as more indictments drop, people are getting numb to Trump. We'll talk about that. And Portia has a problem with Jesus. We'll be right back. Welcome back. Steve Noble reading from this story. And I think this is in The Federalist. Uh, Just came out today. More information. Biden business brought in $20 million and counting. Pretty good money. You know, how do you live on $20 million? I don't know. You figure it out. Budget. Uh, so this is coming out, more and more information coming out and where the money comes from, right? Oops. Uh, that's a problem. So all this money and then the the Biden Inc have all these different shell organizations and different groups that they can bring the money in. So it's not like, Hey, pay to the order of Joe Biden, vice president. They're, they're, they're crazy, but they're not stupid. So that's why it's not so easy. So you have all, there's a lot of smoke here, but they need to get to the fire. They need to be able to present hardcore evidence which hopefully that's going to happen we need to pray for that so back to this article uh, i mentioned we'll go back a little bit the records released on wednesday today show archer and hunter biden were hired on barisma board in 2014 and each received at least a million dollars a year why 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 does a energy company in ukraine hire hunter biden what hey we need some advice on uh dating and drug use uh no what no, it makes no sense. Except that Hunter's daddy is Joe. Hunter, who had no prior experience in the industry. Hunter's father, however, served as the Obama administration's point man on Ukraine. Yep. Archer told lawmakers Hunter was hired because people would be intimidated to mess with Burisma. Right, because now you got the vice president's son on your board. Indeed, the firm was under investigation by Ukraine's top prosecutor. In 2018, Joe Biden bragged about pressuring the Ukrainian government to fire the prosecutor investigating his son's firm, which he got done. Remember that? And he even talked to you. I mean, that's on tape. Yeah, I went over there. I told him, hey, uh, you got a billion dollars on the line here. We're not going to give you the billion dollars unless you fire this prosecutor. And lo and behold, he used some expletives. Look at that. By the end of the day, before I got on the plane, they fired the guy. Okay, here's your billion dollars. Now, that's not uh, quid pro quo. What is it? Records from the House Oversight Committee show the Bidens raked in cash from foreign sources and incremental payments to different bank accounts. <laughs> Sounds like the Gambino crime family. For instance, congressional investigators highlighted a 2014 payment from a Kazakhstani oligarch who wired the exact price of a sports car the Bidens purchased for $142,300. Hey, that, uh, that uh, 9-11, that was uh, 142.3. Got that? Yeah, we'll, we'll take care of it for you. Thanks for your help. Archer and Hunter Biden's firm, Rosemont Seneca, also received $3.5 million from Yelena Batarina, the widow of an, the ex-mayor of Moscow. Doesn't This sounds like, like a Jack Ryan series on Netflix or Amazon or something. 
The payment was previously revealed by the House Homeland Security and Governmental Affairs Committee with the Senate Finance Committee in an explosive September 2020 report. Archer told lawmakers last week that he, Batterina, and the Bidens had dinner in Washington, D.C. at Cafe Milano just months after the wire transfer. Well, it's always nice to say thank you in person, isn't it? The House Oversight... Sorry, too snarky. The House Oversight Report on Wednesday points out Batterina was notably absent from a public sanctions list unveiled shortly following Russia's U invasion of Ukraine last year. We got your back, Batterina. Because that meal was awesome. It's the least I can do. Wednesday's release is the third installment of bank records from the committee. The second installment, published in May, revealed the Biden family raked in at least $10 million from foreign corporations under the Obama administration with the payments scattered across 20 companies to dilute them. Wow. 10 million over 20 companies. That's pretty smart. The prior bank records focused on payments from China and Romania. Nothing to see there. At least nine members of the Biden family profited from the money. <laughs> How much smoke do you need to see to realize there is a forest fire? <laughs> DC, just God help us all. Lord, it's just such a mess. The things that we do, mankind, what a mess. Numb to Trump. I thought this was interesting. This is in uh, Axios. Data shows drop in scandal interest. This is fascinating from a political campaign perspective. The public's attention to former President Trump's legal drama has declined with each subsequent indictment, according to new data pulled across television, social media, and search activity. Despite the unprecedented criminal charges against a former president, the shock is starting to wear off, at least for now. Americans have turned to Google in droves to find information about Trump in the top of and the topic of indictment with every new case. Searches spiked with all three indictments, but the spikes are getting smaller, indicating a slowing interest. Another day, another Trump indictment. Yawner, that's what's happening. So that can have a real impact on the election cycle. So there'll be a lull, but if they actually, once you get to the court cases and evidence, and especially like in D.C., if they actually find him guilty, then the whole thing blows up again. On TV, coverage of Trump's first indictment in April drew a huge spike in viewership. Subsequent indictments have drawn fewer viewers. The arrest and arraignments of a former president, along with the usual flurry of angry social media posts and cries of a political witch hunt, are starting to feel, well, routine, experts say. Indictments are only the beginning. The audience will come roaring back, I would predict, as soon as major trials are underway and verdicts are close to being rendered, NYU professor Rodney Benson told Axios. A resurgence of interest could be a huge 2024 factor, especially as independents start paying closer attention and weighing their options in the lead up to the general election, according to Dr. Chris Haynes, associate professor of political science at the University of New Haven, who may or may not be intelligent. I added that. The big picture, this is in the Axios article, interest in national news and politics has plummeted in the Biden era, even as Trump's legal drama continues to unfold. Isn't that interesting? That's why CNN and the others are really suffering. Trump's good for business, then, for those folks. Some social media platforms have started to deprioritize political news and content in their feeds. It's not drawing enough attention. It's not making them money. A fourth criminal indictment could come in the next few weeks out of Georgia, also related to Trump's efforts during the 2020 election. Recent polling numbers that roughly half, this is interesting. I'd have to go look this up. Recent polling numbers show that roughly half of Republicans say they would not vote for Trump if he is convicted of a felony. Okay, let's ask that one uh, rhetorically. No need to call in. If he actually was found guilty, if he's convicted of a felony, would that change your vote? 
See, I think for most Republicans, I think most would be like, yeah, the whole thing's bogus anyway. So even if they find him guilty, it's probably bogus. So I'm not, I'm not giving any weight to any of it. It's just a political witch hunt. You got Bragg in New York. You got the judge in D.C. You got Jack Smith, the special counsel, which led to the D.C. thing. And then uh, the Florida thing. And Georgia will be next. And these are all people that are Trump derangement syndrome. I, I don't. I, I'm not worried about Republicans. Most Republicans are going to be pragmatic. And if Trump is the nominee and this stuff is still a big mess, they're going to be like, yeah, but it's a big witch hunt. So whatever. I don't care. I'm still going to vote for him because uh, Trump at that point is better than Biden or Kamala or Gavin Newsom or Michelle Obama, whoever they get in there. And so you're pragmatic. I, I'm pragmatic. In 2016, I was pragmatic. I voted for the devil I didn't know very well, Trump. Versus the devil I knew quite well, Hillary. In 2020, I voted for Trump because there was, I'm like, three out of four years was excellent. Botched the whole COVID thing. That's a train wreck. Uh, but three out of four versus Joe Biden? Are you kidding me? <laughs> what? No brainer. And now uh, 2024. Whatever. Whatever Republicans in there, I'm going to vote for them. Steve, what about your conscience? What about it? What planet do you think we live on? I'm a very pragmatic person when it comes to politics. We're always dealing with the lesser of two evils. Unless you're, unless Jesus is running for office, but it doesn't need to because he's the king already and he doesn't need your or my vote. Other than that, you're always choosing between the lesser of two evils. When you're talking about any human beings. Okay, that's just the deal. Speaking of Jesus, apparently Porsche has a bit of a problem with Jesus. Did you see this story? This was just another one of those examples of there's spiritual realities manifesting themselves in things like Porsche ads. Porsche elicited outrage over the weekend after keen observers recognized the company had edited a historic Christian landmark out of its new advertisement. Although the German company has issued an apology and taken down the video, questions persist about the motivations behind the company's virtual iconoclasm. Uh, so Porsche which is part of the Volkswagen group, recently put out a video celebrating 60 very fast years, pretty funny, of its signature two-door sports car, the latest of which goes for over 290 grand. That's a 911. In the original iconoclastic version of the video, the car whizzes through the decades, years, and various locales interrupted by the captions, no matter how fast you move forward, never forget where you came from. Despite this plea to remember the past, viewers noticed that the company saw fit to erase one key piece of history from memory. And this is where it gets really interesting. So as the 9-11 speeds past the 25th Abril Bridge, which connects the Portuguese capital city of Lisbon to the municipality of Almada, a pedestal can be seen in the background a, and, a, and a huge pedestal. OK, the pedestal, that's <laughs> like a talk about an understatement. The pedestal is 269 feet tall. <laughs> Not a, like a pedestal that you see. At a museum, right? This this beast is 269 feet tall. Okay. And there is actually something on top of that pedestal. A 92-foot statue. So you got a 269-foot base with a 92-foot statue on top of it. So pretty obvious, right? Unless you just Photoshop the statue out, which is what Porsche Porsche did. They just photoshopped it dare i say he out of the picture pretty interesting you talking about this one
and then we'll talk about young people when we come back. Welcome back. It's Steve Noble, the Steve Noble Show. Talking about Porsche having a problem with Jesus the Christ. And so they had this commercial uh, celebrating uh, 60 very fast years of its uh, 9-11. And so at one point, it's speeding past the 25th Abril Bridge. I'm probably not saying that the right way, which is uh, in Portugal between Lisbon and Almada, uh, which I think, that, if I'm right, that's the same bridge that was designed by the guy that designed the Golden Gate Bridge in San Francisco. One of the reasons our oldest son and his uh, bride in March went to Lisbon for their uh, anniversary or for their uh, honeymoon. And so that that's cool. So it's a beautiful setting. But there's uh, right behind the bridge and in, in the shot, uh, there's this huge uh, pedestal, huge, 269 feet, just so you can kind of understand the size of this. The Statue of Liberty from the ground the ground, the very ground, that statue. So you got the ground, you have the, the star-shaped base, and then you have the changing pedestals, and then you have more of the ornate pedestal. And then you have when you get to the actual statue of, of Lady Liberty, the bronze part, that's it's all green. Then you got that. Okay, so from the ground level, the grass, all the way to the tippy top of the torch is 305 feet. Okay, so just, you know what that looks like. It's, it's, it's sizable, right? I'm like relative to One World Trade Center, it's small, but it's big. I mean, 300 feet is big. This thing, the base is 269 feet, right? 269 feet. So just like 40 feet shy of the whole top of the whole height of the Statue of Liberty. So that's the base. Then this big old Jesus on top, a 92-foot statue, okay? Which is uh, a little bit smaller than from the bottom of Lady Liberty's uh, feet to the top of her crown. Okay. That's about 111 feet. So this is uh, 92 feet. So a little bit smaller than that. So it, this is essentially like uh, you have a picture of the Statue of Liberty, the whole island in the background of your commercial and you, and you Photoshop out Lady Liberty right now. If somebody did that, you'd be like, uh, <laughs> who would remove Lady Liberty from that. S such an iconic, world-renowned uh, statue. Now, in this case, most people don't know anything about this particular statue in Portugal, but the Portuguese sure do, and people in Europe probably know it because it's got a rich history. The 269-foot base has been holding up the iconic Cristo Rey, Christ the King, statue since before the first Porsche 911 took the European asphalt. Okay, It was after World War II, when they did this, they ordered the monument to be made. And it's massive, obviously. 92-foot uh, statue and its 269-foot base were approved in, by Portuguese bishops in 1937. Construction began in 1946, and the monument was officially inaugurated in 1959. It appears the marketing team at Porsche figured 2023 was an ideal time to vi virtually raise it to eliminate it. The erasure of the Christian symbol from the European car company's promotional footage has triggered fury online. So, of course, in, like every article these days, there's a bunch of tweets from people that none of us know who they are. The end of the article, concerning Porsche's latest scandal, a spokesman for the company told the Daily Mail, in a previously uploaded version of the 9-11 ST launch film, a landmark was removed. Notice how they don't say it, what it was. This was a mistake, and we apologize for any offense caused. The original film is online now. Oh, how nice of you. The company told Fox Business in another statement, in an early version of a film created in Europe, the Cristo Rey statue does not appear. 
We are truly sorry and can fully understand the hurt this has caused. The film has been removed. Just a little, little slap on the wrist. Now, what's going on there? What, what is this all about? Here's where we're at, especially in Europe. Okay, very post-Christian. America, we're working on it. Europe, they got there. Okay, pretty much post-Christian. So Porsche puts a sad out, and they've got customers, obviously, all around the world. And they're like, mm, if we put, if we put, if we leave that thing in the background, uh, if we leave that Jesus thing in the background, then that's going to offend some people. Uh, that might offend some Muslims, even though Muslims revere Jesus. They don't think he is who we say he is and who he is. But they revere him. So that shouldn't, that's not going to offend Muslims. Uh, Christians, Catholics, Protestants, whatever. It's not going to offend them. So between the Muslims and the Christians, mm, that's about mm, three and a half billion. So who, who's Porsche worried about here? Uh, they don't understand. The people at Porsche and the people that bothered to Photoshop Jesus out of the picture don't understand that they're just puppets in a much bigger story. Okay, this, Remember, I, I say this often. You should know this yourself. I'm sure you do. Everything's spiritual. So th that just made some people nervous. So like, oh, there's Jesus. So yeah, yeah, can't do that. Jesus, he, he's not as popular as he once was. That's kind of offensive. People are going to think we're, and they don't even consider the opposite side. If we remove it, what's that going to do to people? Because Christians largely are not going to be violent protesters. Hardly any, especially any Christian worth their salt is not going to be a violent protester. We just kind of turn the other cheek. I think I've read that somewhere. So everything's spiritual. So you know people don't want the Jesus thing because they don't want Jesus to be valid. They don't want him to be real because if you believe in Jesus and you believe in the Bible and you believe in the God of the Bible, that comes with a lot of baggage, uh, which goes to my point earlier today, which I spent a good hour and a half with a former student of mine. Great young man, great conversation. And just it's, he just had big questions getting ready to go off to college. Just had big questions about Old Testament, New Testament, miracles, uh, all the different religions on the earth and, and how do we claim to be exclusively true uh, and, and typical things, really normal questions, great questions, great things that a lot of people wrestle with, but don't usually have the backbone to bring up because you're afraid of being condemned or judged or looked down on. But most people have these questions and they're valid questions. I went through all those questions myself. I don't have many anymore, but they occasionally creep up and then I work on it. I work through it. My faith is a developed faith. My faith is a logical faith. It is an intellectual faith. But at some point, you can build a bridge that I think is quite impressive that gets you to belief in God and in his word and in his son. But it, do, I, it doesn't walk you right up to the gate and, and God reaches down and pokes you in the chest with his finger. And you're like, oh, there you go. At some level, God requires faith. And so this was nearly an hour and a half. And, and he's asking questions and we're talking about these tough subjects and uh, he's getting ready to go off to college where I know all of that's going to be assailed. God bless him for reaching out and wanting to have the conversation and to be open and honest and have the backbone to do it. That's awesome. Praise the Lord for that. I wish every young man and woman growing up in the church were like that. But but I some of you might you might be sitting there saying, I don't know. I, I don't think I could take that meeting, Steve. I mean, you're on the radio and you have a master's degree in ethics and you teach kids and, and you're qualified to do that, but I'm not. Yes, you are. Because, you know, I guarantee you, uh, I can't guarantee you, but I come close. 
that that besides Josh, who's sitting 10 feet away from me, there probably isn't another 18 or 19 year old in the audience. Maybe a couple here and there. Maybe on podcasts later. But the vast majority of you are much older than that. And so do you know what you have at 45, 50, 55, 60, 65, 70, 75? Do you know what you have a, a, a large amount of that that 16-year-old, 17-year-old, 18-year-old, 19-year-old, 20-year-old, 25-year-old doesn't have? Do you know? Besides backaches? Back Josh has backaches, right? Sorry. Didn't mean to exclude you. Uh, wisdom. You know a thing or two. And, and you've been down a faith road for a while. And that matters. And, and your, your authenticity and your honesty, if, if they throw you a curveball and you're like, wow, you know, I never, I never really thought about that one before. That's a really good question. Uh, I'm going to go work on that one. Can we talk about it again? This is called relationship. This is called discipleship. This is called mentoring. This is spending time with people, investing in people. And so whenever I have former students, they're like, hey, Mr. Noble, and I tell them this. For the guys, I'm like, hey, you, you got questions? You want to sit down and talk? You know, I'm not going to judge you. I'm just going to have, I love those conversations. Uh, I thank God for those conversations. Just reach out. And, and every year I have students that do. Uh, but, but, but that's not normal. And oftentimes you just need to make, are you making yourself available to anybody? Do, do you say to any young people, your son, your daughter, your grandson, your granddaughter, the friends of your of your sons and daughters and grandsons and granddaughters. Hey, you know, listen, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a Christian. And if you ever want to talk about that stuff, you have questions you want to ask, I'd, I'd be honored to talk to you about it. I'll share with you uh, my own journey, what I know. I'll, I'll, I'd love to talk to you about it. And then you just get in there because you're like, well, I can't do it. Well, do you have any faith in the Holy Spirit? Do you have any faith in what God has deposited in you for the last 5, 10, 15, 20, 50 years? And, and if we act like we know everything, we have all the answers, well, then we look arrogant. And if we're unwilling to talk to other people or young people, especially about these things, then we just don't care. So they don't bother to ask. And neither do we. Quite frankly, a lot of us probably think, yeah, they don't want to hear what I have to say. You know, they don't listen to old people. Uh, you'd be surprised. Don't sell them so short. It's like a, it's like a middle school mixer dance, right? The girls want to be asked. The guys want to ask. And then neither one of them does it. So what happens? Nobody dances. Except there's a couple guys who will become like the Prince Charmings because they'll step out and they'll ask. And then there's a few girls that are like, I'm not going to sit around and wait. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just going to go ask them. Hey, come dance with us. You got to ask. Make yourself available. Trust the Lord. Show interest. Time equals interest and value. And just go sit down, have a cup of coffee, have a soda, whatever. But are, are, we, are, are we creating a Joshua generation, a generation that doesn't know the Lord? Because we stop talking to him about it. No, there's great conversations out there wait, waiting to be had. And you're showing interest in them is loving. It's a good representation of Christ who has an interest in all of us. So be encouraged. But ask yourself, look in the mirror, am I pouring into anybody? This is Steve Noble on The Steve Noble Show. God willing, I'll be back again tomorrow. Theology Thursday. And like my father always used to say, ever forward.